We turn in God's Word uh, once again to the book of Galatians, chapter 6. This morning we conclude our series on Galatians, as the bulletin indicates. Uh, we'll be starting a, a new one this Sunday tonight uh, on the Belgic Confession of Faith. Um, very important historical, relevant document for our day and our age in which we live. This morning we conclude this study of Galatians, and next Sunday we'll take up a short series on the words around the cross. Galatians chapter 6, we're going to pick it up at verse 11, read through the end of the chapter, our message on verses 16, 17, and 18 this morning. Let us hear then God's words to us. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. They desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers, Amen. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this portion of your word. We ask that you will bless it unto our hearts. Be with Pastor Bob as he preaches on this word. Guide him, keep him, and that it may fall on our ears and be understand, understood by us. This we ask in your name alone. Amen. Amen. As we consider these three verses this morning, I place before you three main points. One, the rule that Paul speaks of, as for all who walk by this rule. Secondly, the blessing that Paul gives, grace or mercy and peace be upon them. And third, the conclusion grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. The rule, the blessing, and the conclusion. First of all, the rule. The word that Paul uses here, this word for rule, carries with it the idea of a standard, uh, uh, a unit of measure, a measuring rod, if you would. Uh, if you think back to uh, the old days uh, 
in, in terms of surveying. Surveyors actually had a, a surveyor's rod, a measuring rod. It was a set num distance long. And then you would use that rod, flipping it over and over and over to measure out somebody's property. So somebody's property might have been 30 rods by 40 rods. It became the standard of measurement, the unit of measurement that was acceptable, agreeable. It becomes the standard, the rule. That's the word Paul is using here. He's not using it in terms of law. He's using it in terms of that standard that is to be applied. And the standard, the measuring rod by which we will be measured by God, by the one who is the judge, by Christ himself. The standard, the measuring will be the cross. See, Paul has just told us, far be it from me, to boast in anything but the cross. The cross then is now that which Paul is referencing as the rule. The cross. That a person places his complete hope. A person places his complete confidence for salvation in Jesus Christ alone. That's the measuring rod. That is the standard. That is the rule. As we appear before Christ in eternity, the question is not, have you been circumcised? The question is not, have you kept up with the daily food, clean and unclean food preparation? The question is not, have you done your ceremonial washing? The question is not, have you offered the appropriate sacrifices? The question is, do you believe and do you wholly depend fully, entirely upon the cross for your salvation? That you are saved only by Christ's work on the cross. Only his blood. That is the rule. That is the standard that Paul is saying. But it is a standard, it is a rule that is not simply adhering to something. Because Paul says, if you look at verse 16, as for though all who walk by this rule. So is the cross the central focus of life in terms of looking to Jesus alone for your salvation, his shed blood for your atonement? But are you walking that way? Are you living that way? Are you living according to that rule? See, it's not just the question of what is the speed limit on Arthur Street. The question is, are you living according to the speed limit? The question is not what does that red sign with white letters on it say, but are you following its directives. When the sign says, form one line, do you not, know, not only know the sign, but are you following it? 
when the sign says, express checkout, 20 items or less, do you know and understand the sign, but are you living by it? So here's the question. Do you know the cross? Do you understand the cross? Do you confess the cross? And are you living according to that confession? Are you living according to the cross? In terms of your worship, does your worship of God reflect that it is Christ and Christ only? Seeing we have our brother from former Catholic Church, and I know a number of others of you are as well, I'll, I'll use this as, as the demonstration, one of the examples, okay? In your worship, okay, we come not to an altar to re-sacrifice Christ. We do not believe that when we come to this table and partake of this table, we have any sins washed away by our action. If I'm over at St. Mary's this morning, that is exactly what I am saying. In my worship, I'm saying, oh yeah, Christ, but in my worship, in my actions, I am saying something quite different. Paul says, are you living according to the rule of the cross alone? If I'm in a Lutheran church this morning, attending a baptism, pastor is going to take some water and sprinkle it on the child. Now the child's saved. Is that act of worship now contrary to the cross of Christ? Is how I'm living in terms of my worship contradictory to the cross? Oh, but we can take it one more step. Are we sitting here this morning smug in ourselves on that church. Certainly now I'm saved because, you know, I committed a few sins this week, but I'm at church. Certainly this wipes the slate clean. Certainly my actions here, I sang songs with, with great enthusiasm. Certainly God sees that and that takes care of my sin. That cancels out things I have done. Are you living by the rule of the cross only for salvation? And does your worship, do your acts of worship reflect that? But it's not only our worship, it's our gratitude. Do we live with a thanksgiving that we have not earned our salvation at all? Do we live in obedience to that which Christ has commanded? The cross is the cross of the king. It is the king. It is the Lord of lords. It is the king of kings who hangs upon that cross. The one who has given us his word. Are we living in obedience? Not just do we know the king. Are we obeying the king? Do our attitudes, our thoughts, the, the way in which we think, is it reflective of the fact that we know Christ? Only for our salvation. Do, do we understand that he fully paid for all of our sin? Or are we holding on to past guilt? Is it reflected in our service? 
and our commitment. As we looked at last Lord's Day evening in that great work of the Holy Spirit, as are, are our lives lived in a service mode to others? Do we see ourselves as servants, not only of Christ, but as our brothers and sisters in the Lord as well? Even as we said in our form this morning, as, as Marcia now joins us, that, that we be of service to her, that we be her servant. That's to be reflected in the fact that we look to Christ, the one who washed feet. The rule. Are we looking to the cross and are we walking by it? Secondly, second point is the blessing. As for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. First of all, I want you to note that Paul is restricting. He is closing down who receives this blessing. It is a restricted blessing. It is not for everyone. Not everyone gets the peace and mercy. Notice how Paul phrases it. As for all who walk by this rule, those who are living according to the cross, walking by that cross, to them, to them only. This is not universal. This is not by church membership. This is not by ethnic background. Peace and mercy come to us not through family ancestry. Not through bloodlines. Not through genetics. Peace and mercy come to us not by the denomination of church that we attend. Mercy, peace come not to us because we're Dutch or because we're Italian or because we're German or because we're Swedish. It doesn't matter the ethnic background. That is not what causes us to have peace and mercy. It is all who live by the rule of the cross. To those who live according to that who understand the truth of the cross and are forming their life and shaping their life, pattering their life, not after this world, but after Christ. See, it's, it's a restricted blessing. It's restricted to all who are, as Paul writes at the end of verse 16, the Israel of God. Oh, commentators have a lot of fun with this one because they're, they're trying to read into it, especially if, you're, you know, uh, uh, if, if your mindset is, well, Israel has to be fulfilled and so on before Christ comes again and all, all of that stuff that goes along with that uh, viewpoint. They, they have a, oh, see, here it is. Well, not if you read Paul. If you read Paul consistently, when Paul uses the term Israel, he always uses it in two way, one of two ways. He either refers to it, the state, the nation, the people, the ethnic background, or he refers to it as the church. Now stop and think. He's coming to the end of Galatians. He has written, he is fighting tooth and nail 
for the truth of the cross. So does it make sense that Paul, at the end of the book, in one of the last lines he's going to write, he's going to say, oh yeah, by the way, mercy and peace come to all those who are ethnically Jews as well. That would be a cancellation of the entire book that we have just gone through. All that he has aired, all that he has talked about, why would he be fighting these false teachers? Because that's exactly their viewpoint. The grace, or excuse me, the mercy and the peace that Paul says comes as a blessing comes to those only who live according to the rule of the cross, to those who are the Israel of God, those who are true believers, circumcised not in the flesh, but circumcised in the heart. Those who the Spirit has shaved off the coldness of heart and has entered in to our very soul and being so that we have been born again. Mercy, peace be upon all those who are God's true people, true believers, born again. Power the cross of Christ who are seeking in every area of their life to live by that cross. But it is also an unrestricted blessing. To all, to all. Everyone who follows this, everyone who believes this and is seeking to live by this rule, to all, to all, to all. There is no distinction. Paul said that, hasn't he, in Galatians? Between Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave or free, doesn't matter. If you are living by the cross, peace and mercy be yours. If you're a woman, peace and mercy be yours. If you're a man, peace and mercy be yours. If you're a Jew, Living by the cross, peace and mercy be yours. Gentile, peace and mercy be yours. Slave, peace and mercy be yours. Freedman, peace and mercy be yours. If you're living by the rule of the cross, the measuring rod of Christ, But it's also unrestricted in that which Paul is saying. He's, he's not saying peace within confines. Peace limited to those who walk by the rule. Peace abundant. There is no holding back. There are no qualifiers to the peace. Now what does Paul mean here by peace? He means the serenity of heart. He means the quietness of soul. He means that which the psalmist continually refers to when he talks about that amidst the storms and problems of life that he finds God to be his refuge, his shelter, his strong tower. I've said before there's a 
great correlation between Romans and Galatians. And there is on this point as well. Listen to Paul in Romans 1 or Romans 5 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have, we have this peace, this stillness of soul. Quietness. Particularly in the spiritual realm of our life. That when Satan raises old sins, we follow the rule, we walk by the rule, we look to Christ who has fully paid for all of our sins. We sing perhaps, Satan, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. And we have peace of heart and soul in your spiritual walk with the Lord. May, may the friendship that you have with God be the closest, warmest, dearest relationship you have with anyone else. Because God, as the father of the prodigal, is running to embrace you. He is willing to be at peace fully, completely. As they stretch out the hands and arms of Christ upon that cross. Fully extending as far as they can humanly go. God is extending his peace to you. And granting you. Quietness of soul, the stillness of heart, the death of guilt, the extinguishing of fear. Mercy. Not only peace, but also mercy. Peace and mercy. Be upon them, them who live according to the rule, who walk according to the cross. God's love directed towards unworthy sinners. There's mercy. God's love directed towards those who are unworthy, not towards those who have earned it at all. That would be a denial of the cross. But to those who know that they are unworthy, God's love. Keep your finger here at Galatians 6. Turn forward just a few pages to Ephesians chapter 3. Down to verse 14. Paul writing to the believers at Ephesus writes the following. Ephesians 3, 14. 
For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God's love, a love that you cannot measure. It's kind of interesting that, that Paul began this with the rule. What is the measurement? Of us. But you want to know the measure the other way? It's beyond measurement. From God to us. In terms of God's mercy to you and I. It is unmeasurable. You can't take that measuring rod and lay it end to end and end. And ever come to the end of the mercy of God. You can never come to the end of the love of God. It is beyond measure. Height, depth, length, it's beyond measure. See, the cross is beyond measure in terms of God's love to us. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. And where do we end in the song? But this is what I will boast of. I will boast of the cross. When I think of the greatness of the expanse of the love of God for us. Of what do I boast? I boast of that which you boast of. I boast of that which Paul boasted of. The cross where we see the unmeasurable love of God. Poured out for us unworthy sinners. Mercy. Mercy. Thirdly, the conclusion. And I just call your attention back in Galatians chapter 6 to, to two things that Paul mentions. One, verse 17. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Christ. Here's the conclusion. First point. The marks of Christ. What Paul is saying is basically this. This is the end of the argument, folks. I'm not going to write about this anymore. This concludes it. We don't have to entertain any more arguments by the false teachers. We don't have to take their beliefs and examine them. And then I have to show you how justification by faith in Christ, by grace alone... Is the answer to that. We're not going down there again. Let no one cause me any trouble. I don't want to hear about this circumcision coming from you churches in Galatia anymore. This is it. This is, we are to be done. We are to be finished with this. Because I bear on my body the mark of Christ. The stigmata. The scar. The tattoo of Christ. What is that? Some nice little cross he has tattooed? 
Some, some nice little picture on his ankle? Is that his scar? Is that his stigmata? Is that his tattoo? No. It's those scars across his back from those lashes and from those rods. Can you imagine how many cuts Paul must have suffered as he lays there outside of Lystra in the province of Galatia? From the rocks that were pelted upon him? Cuts. But you don't go to a doctor and get stitches. Cuts that now mar his face and mar his body. See, Paul is saying, end of the argument. If circumcision were the end of the Christian life, why? Why then? Do I bear these marks? Why do I bear these tattoos? Why do I bear these scars of Christ? See, these are the marks that were given to him in persecution. These are the marks because he preached Christ. These are the marks that the Jews gave to him. Because of his unwillingness to say we are justified by any aspect of the law. Those stones were pelted at him because he preached the cross. The Christ alone for our salvation. He is sold as a slave to Christ. These marks that he bears on his body are the marks being enslaved to Christ that he willingly bore for his Lord, our Savior. Reminder that he will boast only in the cross of Christ. Secondly, Paul concludes with verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen grace the love of God for undeserving sinners there's little distinction really between grace and mercy except that grace carries with it more the idea that there are blessings mercy is is more the the pardon grace is more the undeserved blessings that come Maybe we could look at it and say, mercy is the idea of the forgiveness of our sins. Grace is more the idea of that which we receive in Christ. Mercy deals with our unrighteousness. Grace deals with our righteousness in Christ. It's the blessings of Christ poured out upon us undeserving sinners. His atonement, the Holy Spirit's indwelling, our adoption as children, our adoption as heirs. That grace comes to us from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord who owns, the Lord who governs, the Lord who protects. 
It comes from the Lord Jesus, the one who is the Savior. It comes from the Christ, the one who is the anointed one, the one who is the Messiah, the one who is the great mediator, the one who is our great high priest. God's poured out blessings, his grace that comes because of Christ. Be with your spirit. <laughs> Paul's final little reminder, isn't it? Your spirit, your inner man. Christianity is not about an outward sign of circumcision. It's about the inner renewal. That circumcision of the heart, that inward transformation that comes about when one is born again. May that grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brothers, He still calls them brothers. They're struggling. They're entertaining. False ideas. They haven't gone there yet. They haven't, they haven't bought the line of the false teachers. Paul's concerned they're even entertaining it. That's why he's writing them so strongly. How, how could you begin to even entertain this? It's not that they have gone there yet. They're not perfect. They're not sinless. They're not without their dirty laundry. They're not without their false conceptions. But Paul, with all of the sincerity of not only his own inner transformation, but with all the truth of the Holy Spirit calls them brothers. And that's who we are. Brothers. Heirs of Christ. If you see you live by the rule of the cross alone. What a beautiful reminder that is. Paul says, Amen, so be it. This I believe, this I attest. The Holy Spirit says, Amen. This is truth. This is my attestation. This is my witness. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Father, we do thank you for your word. What a joy and a delight it has been to go through this, this book. We began our journey many months ago, reflecting and thinking upon the work of Luther and the great Reformation. Thinking about the fact, Lord, that, that he was unwilling to compromise this principle truth, this rule, that we are saved through the cross of Christ. 
alone. Father, thank you for using that man so mightily, so powerfully, that through him and so many others, even as we will learn this evening, Father, in the death of the martyrs and in the blood of the martyrs, your church is blessed. Thank you for his work and ministry back in the 1500s. But we thank you, Father, for the truth that led him there. These words from this book. We pray, Father, not only that it will bring about a great reformation in our own day, in our own society, in our own church, but in our own hearts, in our own lives as well as we look to Christ and Christ alone. In his name we pray and God's people say, amen.